where you can do all those things and so much more. Just grab a seat in the chair or the floor. Sit back, relax, recline. While she drops another casual line. You're tuned in to Casually Molly with Molly and Bergie. Welcome back to the Casually Molly podcast. I am your host, Molly Ambergy. We always interview all comedians, artists, entertainers, you name it. And today I am very excited to welcome, he is a very accomplished comedian. Give it up for Mike Kaplan. And the crowd goes wild. Hello, Mike. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, crowd. Thank you. Uh, Oh, please, please, please. That's that's, That's too much. I love it. I love it. Uh, Mike, where are you actually joining from us right now? Like, where where are you at? Uh, I live in Brooklyn, New York, and that is where I am. Nice. I actually love Brooklyn. Uh, The last time I was in New York, my friend lived in Brooklyn, and so I was able to be around there. So what's a, speaking of Brooklyn, what's a good highlight spot that our listeners should know about from your home area? (laughs) Oh, I live right near Prospect Park, and uh, for for a city, you know, like New York City, it's I think it's uh, real valuable to spend time looking at trees sometimes. So I, when it's uh, when the weather is encouraging, uh, or even when it's not, I like to walk in that park. So if uh, if you live if you live in New York, or if you come to New York, hey, uh, come to New York, walk in a park. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. Uh, We can relate to that here. As everybody knows who is a fan of the podcast, we are based here in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, We've got Forest Park, which is like the big place to go. But I am right there with you. I live near a park as well. So it's so nice to be able to kind of take in the trees and, you know, in the midst of all the chaos and everything going on. Uh, I did want to highlight, though, you are coming to our city of St. Louis, Missouri at the Gaslight Theater this Friday, July 16th. Why don't you tell us a little bit? I know um, our mutual friend, Yale Hollander, kind of got you into the uh, show here at the Gaslight. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that process? <laughs> sure, sure. It's uh, It was a fortuitous uh, like sort of chain of events that, uh, you know, I, the past year, uh, I haven't been touring uh, much at all, and I'll tell you why. Is uh, it wasn't uh, healthy or safe to do that? Um, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if you were paying attention to the news, but uh, so one actually the first show that I booked on the road to return was actually like months ago, before even I was like vaccinated, and I was like, well, I guess if hopefully as things. Uh, move forward optimistically, safely, healthily. So it was sort of like this aspirational, I don't know, just like throwing a football like real far and being like, I hope somebody's there. To, I hope <laughs> I'm there to catch it, you know? Right, yeah. Uh, but so I, I, I got some shows booked in Kansas City uh, at the Comedy Club of Kansas City. And I was like, okay, well, I'll be there in July. Uh, and then... Uh, I also booked, uh, once once everything became clear that it was going to be happening, uh, I booked some shows at Acme in Minneapolis for the following week, uh, which led to the, uh, the sort of the unofficial name of the tour, which is the coffee table tour or the uh, picking up the coffee table that belongs to my girlfriend's uh, late grandmother that she would like uh, because she loves her grandmother and loves this coffee table. It's that's like you know, too long for the poster, but that is the, you know, that's the unofficial name of the tour. So here's the thing is 
the normally I would probably fly to Minneapolis, fly to Kansas City from New York. But to get this coffee table, we're like, well, let's let's take a road trip. So my girlfriend and I are leaving this Wednesday, and in order, and you know, it would have been fine to just drive, you know, uh, and stop some places along the way. But I was like, well, let's see if I can uh, book some gigs, you know, reasonable drives between here and the Midwest. And so uh, I reached out to some comedian friends in the various cities along the way. And Yale had always been, had for the past, I don't actually know even how long, it seems like forever, but uh, we've been Facebook friends and I've been doing over the past year a bunch of live streams uh, like this, a lot of them uh, on my own and with a good friend of mine, Liz Glazer. And so like every Wednesday, Liz and I would be doing these chats and just talking about what, what's been going on, what's coming up. And Yale's been uh, such a, like a sort of a stalwart, you know, supporter, like there, even when he's, if he's not there, he's like, I'm sorry, I can't be there. And like, that's, it's very important for you to apologize for not tuning into a live stream when, <laughs> you know, it's my, my mother would say that my grandfather would always say that uh, a repeated favor becomes an obligation. And so I'm like, it's like, a you know, when somebody's, it sort of is a favor that whenever anybody watches your stuff or buys your things or comes to your shows, it's like, like, they don't have to, they're not obligated. But like, once you do it a couple times, like we've established a pattern. I'm like, where is Yale? You know, where did he go? So where is he? <laughs> So he's always been there. Uh, so it feels it feels that way. And I was like, yes, yeah, so I'm uh, trying to do some shows uh, along the way uh, to to Kansas City. And Yale was like, oh, I know some people who might be able to help you book a show in uh, in St. Louis. And he put me in touch with somebody, and it didn't really work out. And I was like, Yale, do you know anybody else who might help me be able to book a show in? And he's like, oh, like I could do it also. It's like the old, you know the old joke. Like uh, somebody calls a law firm and they're like, you know, Schwartz, Schwartz, Schwartz and Schwartz here. Like, okay, is Schwartz there? Uh, he's out of the office. Oh, is Schwartz there? Oh, she's playing golf. Is Schwartz there? Uh, they're actually in the bathroom. Is Schwartz there speaking? And I'm like, Yale, why didn't you? Just did do you... it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, please, I, I couldn't do that unless uh, you want me to. Then I definitely could. So, <laughs> uh, so Yale uh, set it up at the gaslight and it's, uh, it's it was smooth and i mean it hasn't happened yet but i'm optimistic absolutely yeah and i didn't mean to jump on your punchline there it's just it's exactly i'm so happy that yale is doing this uh just because we're so happy to have you come to the city of st louis you can see mike kaplan at the gaslight this friday july 16th at eight o'clock um i have been very familiar like i told mike with the gaslight it's a staple here in st louis in the central west end area and you can get tickets on ticketmaster.com or an hour before the show starts uh the box office opens so shout out to amy page uh she and i have a good relationship as well we've been friends for years but yeah come support this show it's a great cute 90 seat theater it's adorable again st louis staple uh, but speaking of staples you seem to be from what i see on your website which to compliment you, you know, sometimes you'll go to people's websites just to kind of find out about them, uh, you know, Wikipedia pages, but don't worry, I, I still went to your website. But I was like, Mike is definitely important if he's got a Wikipedia page for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, what I loved about you on your about section, it was like Mike Kaplan is a comedian named Mike Kaplan. <laughs> and I was like, that's very straightforward. But you seem to be a staple on the uh, Tonight Show scene here. You even have Conan as a credit. Uh, how do you feel now that Conan is quote unquote retiring, having that be a part of your resume? 
well, it's even even more so. Thank you for asking. Thank you for visiting my website. Thank you for doing all of the research that yeah. you have. It's it is funny that I was actually so I will answer your question eventually. I hope that you have <laughs> planned several hours longer than normal for this show, uh, or that you're okay not getting to all of your questions. This will be the last one I answer because it will take an hour. Um, a week or two ago, I was on a show. Uh, with actually uh, a buddy named uh, Graham Kay, who's a comedian who actually just did The Tonight Show. And he said he got to do The Tonight Show the night that he did because a particular a rapper who was supposed to be on uh, got into legal trouble and couldn't make it. And so <laughs> okay. uh, I, and I'd never heard of that rapper. The rapper's name was Who Shiesty. And, uh, and so I looked up uh, and I, I am a big hip hop fan, and uh, I was like, "Oh, I haven't heard of this rapper." And I like Googled like before I went on on right after Graham. I looked up who Shiesty, and like I found his Wikipedia page, and it actually had like a, a subsection called legal troubles, and uh, and actually it didn't list the one that Graham had named. So I was like, "I wonder if that guy was just like uh, wanted to call in sick to the Tonight Show, but was just like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. So let, let's just call in, you know." murder uh and the the point of this story is mainly to share that like i had never heard of this person yet he had a wikipedia page which is such a strange thing to be like wow somebody they really must be they 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 are accomplished they know what they're doing they've done so much like you can't like i mean you could start your own wikipedia page but if uh, i think people would they, they might take it down i don't know i don't know how it works exactly uh and in fact i think you're not even allowed to make your own the way that i got mine was after i did last comic standing in 2010 somebody reached out to me and was like you don't have a wikipedia page do you want a wikipedia page like and i was like i mean i sure he's like yeah i kind of work with wikipedia so uh the point is there are people who are maybe like watching and or listening to me right now that are like, I don't know who you are, but oh, you have a Wikipedia. Like there's some, <laughs> and Wikipedia has like a lot of made up stuff on it. It's sort of like the, the vibe that people get from Wikipedia. And also, here's what I want to say is that I think most of the stuff on Wikipedia is not made up. I think it's, I think they do a great job, a great service. Do, uh, they're not a sponsor, but you know, like donate to Wikipedia, you know, keep them, keep them going in business, support them as well as, I like that you said, support the show. Uh, in addition to, if you come to the show on Friday or any of the shows that I'm doing on this tour, it'll be great to support businesses, to support me as a comedian. Also, you will get something out of it in that uh, the show will be enjoyable to you. You will <laughs> laugh at the show. You will come away with uh, good feelings and memories. Anyway, the point is, to answer your question, <laughs> here's how I feel about Conan. Uh, I uh, Conan was actually the, uh, the first late night uh, show. It, that I got to be on before it was before he was on TBS when he had the Tonight Show. The Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien was mm -hmm. my first late night credit. And at the time, I mean, it was just super exciting to get to do it. It was December of 2009. Uh, it was I, I hadn't real I'd done one other uh, TV spot on Comedy Central the year before, but this was like my first, you know, network TV. Like it feel it felt like this real legitimacy. And uh, I had just sort of become a full-time like professional comedian, and this like allowed me to also go places like, and uh, and be booked where you know people didn't know who I was at the time. You know, even though like, oh wow, this comedian's been on the Tonight Show. Who? What? What's his like? What is he? What? What is it? But like, oh, the Tonight Show. Like, I've got a lot of credits: the Tonight Show, Wikipedia, like at least those two. And uh, I mean, I think Wikipedia has an even wider reach than the Tonight Show these days. But the point is. 
I didn't know how rare that that credit would be. How how like meaningful? I mean, I was just excited to get to be on the show. I loved Conan. I still right. love Conan. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that uh, his run on the Tonight Show was such a a limited window. Uh, it became, you know, it's like a collector's edition. I don't know mm -hmm. if there's any way that I can, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any way I can, I can sell my Tonight Show experience. But, uh, I mean, maybe as an NFT, who knows these days? But uh, <laughs> right. yeah. I, I've, I've only started learning what these things are. But uh, the point is... Uh, I, I've been saying the point is, there's a lot of points. It's like, you know, at least, uh, you know, maybe like a Jewish star, you know. Yeah. So there's many, many points, maybe even more than that, like overlaid. But uh, I mean, I love Conan. I wish him the best. I got to be on his TBS show uh, numerous times after that. And every time, you know, a thrill. One time I was on, Weird Al was also a guest and I got to meet Weird Al. And uh, what, a, what a nice man that guy is as well. Cool. And just, yeah, I... Getting to do, I mean, stand up is what I love doing, and getting to do it on a show that really like cares about comedy and supports stand ups, and like that. I mean, he's been doing a you know a nightly show for it seems like I mean decades, decades, yeah, right? And uh, he deserve he deserves a break, he deserves a rest, he gets he deserves whatever whatever he wants and needs. And I believe he is he is still going to be doing a show eventually, like a weekly show. So uh, he's he's. He's not, I'm here, Mike Kaplan here to report that uh, Conan O'Brien is not done yet, everyone. He's, uh, I think, I think we haven't heard the last of old Conan. Old Conan O'Brien still got a few tricks up his sleeve, uh, or maybe right out, uh, maybe, maybe he's going sleeveless. I don't know what's <laughs> happening on the new HBO Max Conan show, but you didn't ask. The point is, love Conan, love that I got to do his show. Very grateful for all the support uh, that, it, I mean, helped sort of, launch me to be able to uh, tell people to come see me. I mean, now now I think here's my top three credits is uh, The Tonight Show with Conan, uh, Wikipedia, and the Casually Molly podcast. So please, everyone, thank you for supporting all these uh, fine institutions. Oh, I love that. Oh, my God, Mike. I feel like, and I am somebody who has a color-coded planner, so I love that there's a bunch of points. So I appreciate the organization, and I always like, I was a theater major, so I like the exposition and the background of events, which leading into background of events, you have in a very, like a very accomplished resume. And I'm not saying that just because we're on this podcast um, to make your top three credit, uh, not trying to butter you up. But what I, I always like to ask people, obviously, you're in a great place in your career right now people probably recognize you on the street uh what all what i kind of always want to know when did you know stand-up comedy was going to be the career that you were going to pursue like did you have like a moment in time like a certain show or just like a certain open mic or did you see somebody that you liked perform where did it all begin for you thank you for asking molly i'm glad to share this answer with you uh it's so this is Whenever, whenever I have conversations with people, you know, for interviews, for podcasts, you know, or just in general, people want to know, like, sometimes I tell, like, similar stories, and I want to I make them, uh, like, I, wa I want it to be 
fresh. I want it to be right. like, not just like, here is what I always say, you know, like yeah. you have asked this question and I will output this answer. And so I want to say, first of all, everything that I've said so far to answer your question has been brand new. This is a, a, Mo a casually Molly exclusive right now. Yes. Never been better <laughs> done before. I've never said this is a casually Molly exclusive before on any other show <laughs> that I've ever done, not even Conan or Wikipedia, but it might go there. That would be <laughs> What if Wikipedia were a Casually Molly exclusive? That would be a nice get. <laughs> done so, and done. <laughs> um, so sincerely, uh, the, the truth of my experience is that I was a musician uh, before I was a comedian. Uh, my parents were music teachers, uh, so I played violin since I was four, taught myself guitar in high school, started writing songs. Some of them were funny on purpose. Some of them were funny uh, accidentally. And uh, I remember... I was performing like at my summer camp at talent shows at when I got to college at like we had a coffee house on campus and then I started reaching out uh, to places around the Boston area where I was in school. Uh, when, when I turned 21 I started like calling all these you know call, calling all bars and uh, I was like bars anyone bars would you like me to play my bars in your bars and uh, I remember uh, the comedy studio was the first comedy club that I that came up in my search. I was sort of just like it was pre Google. I was just searching for uh, like you know asking Jeeves, I guess, or yes. uh, like I think there was a website called Hotbot or maybe Yahoo was around. But I was like mm -hmm. searching, and I was like clubs Boston, and one of them that popped up. I was looking for like music venues, but one that popped up was the comedy studio. Uh, which has uh, has moved around, has moved recently, but has is still in existence uh, more than twenty years later. And uh, I called, I called the number, and the owner, Rick Jenkins, answered. And I was like, "Can I come to your place to perform? I have funny songs. Like I'm not doing stand up comedy, but I have." It's and he's like, "Sure, you can have five minutes." And I was like, "That's not a a ton of time for like some music open mics. You would get like fifteen minutes or three songs or." But I was like, okay, I'll like condense it as much as I can, do a couple real, uh, real short ones, and in between the songs and before the songs. So this is my my first time on stage at a comedy club. Like it was, they didn't have an open mic at the time. It was just like a real a real showcase show. I went on right after uh, Jonathan Katz, who I don't know if you're familiar. He used to have the 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 squiggle vision cartoon dr katz professional therapist at which i had loved and I, I think i it either was on at the time or had just gone off the air mm -hmm. and he went on jonathan katz went on right before me and he concluded with a a song he had like a brief funny song and then i go on to play my funny songs having never been on stage at a comedy club before and so i sort of express that in a way I'm like the most famous person in this room just did what I'm about to do that I've never done and uh, so here's here's mine uh, <laughs> and I remember that was like endearingly I feel like anxious in a way that like the the audience at the comedy studio is always so warm and welcoming and uh, and so I I did that I said those things I played a song I talked a little bit more before my second song and people laughed at the things that I said. And I, that was a thing like that I wasn't setting out to do. Like I, I hadn't gone there to tell jokes. I hadn't gone there to like do stand up comedy, but in the middle of like, I would later come to call this like, you know, riffing, ad libbing, you know, being in the moment. Uh, and at the time though, I called it uh, like talking until they stopped laughing and then playing the second song. And 
I, I really loved, I mean, I love playing music. I love sharing music. I love, I, music is so, such a beautiful, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know if you are, uh, if you, if you're familiar with music, but it's really good. I, you should, for all yeah. your listeners, all your, all your audience, please check out music. It's, I'm going to uh, do that you... today after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you're opening me to a whole new world, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> I, so I, I love like music is such a, a large, like m meaningful, almost religious experience. And I mean, maybe even religious, like my mom, uh, for me, like growing up, we were culturally Jewish and I like went to the temple and I got a bar mitzvah, but I wasn't required to do that. It wasn't like you have to, it was sort of like a choice, uh, you know, that I was like nudged along, but like music wasn't a choice. My mom was like, you, you must play, you can, you have a choice about like what faith tradition you might want to follow like you know who knows what exists in the world who knows what exists beyond this life but uh music exists and you will create it and you it, she just wanted me to love it and so like the same way that you know maybe some kids are made to go to like religious school sunday school church temple mosque whatever it might be uh i was i I was like that, but my temple was music school. And so I love, like, I love music. And also now, so that's what I went to the comedy studio to do, my music. But in between, it was just this brand new discovery that I didn't even need to play the guitar to get this reaction from the crowd. And so the answer to the question that you asked is kind of like the question of, when did I know that I wanted to do comedy like for a living, that that was the thing? Like kind of, it was right after I started doing comedy. It was, uh, how did you know you wanted to do it? Well, I was doing it. And then I was like, oh, this, I didn't even know I was doing it, but <laughs> this is what I want to do. It was, it was actually like a period of between like, that was probably late 1999, uh, I think, because I graduated college in 2000. So the first time I performed, at the comedy studio, I was in my senior year of college. And between late 99 and like 2002, I was sort of in a, a nebulous like limbo between comedy and music, still pursuing music, but like uh, being pulled by comedy till eventually I was like, I found other places to perform comedy. And uh, so I, that's why I, I would say that 2002, uh, I, I went to, it's funny, the, the the comedy studio was like i feel like it's almost like it could be called like the comedy womb it's just so warm and uh, uh an embrace of the audience and the comedians and eventually when when one starts doing comedy at open mics where people aren't there to see you necessarily it might just be other comedians or people at the bar who didn't even know there was going to be a show or people right. there to see their friends but not you like all different circumstances that I, but i was like oh wow i could go to that bar and this venue and this basement and this attic and this chinese restaurant and people will just let me go on stage and say the things and or sing the songs that i want to do at, and so it was sort of like often a person's first comedy experience is like you know cathartic or engaging or like just you know beautiful and you know goes so well and then you know your next thousand you're like oh god you should i wish it was like that first one again so it was kind of once i started you know going through going to open mics and realizing that uh, I was like, I have a funny song, like a one minute song that I can end this set with. And the first four minutes are, who boy, what's gonna happen? I don't even know. But uh, <laughs> like, 
that excitement that I knew I knew that something was possible. Uh, so it was, I guess it was sort of like, you know, like there are many points on, on the stars of this conversation that we're having, there were many points at which I like experienced the sort of the, the desire to continue to experience those like communions, those sort of like mini experiences of communion of like, of telling a joke and having the audience laugh of, you know, thinking of something, saying something and having people connect with it and laugh at it if that is the desire which it often is and <laughs> yeah, so, yeah absolutely july 16th so. everybody get that out <laughs> you can connect with mike kaplan at the gaslight theater not to interrupt go ahead no <laughs> no that was promo <laughs> that was a, a beautiful button I, that was actually going to be my conclusion as well so uh come come connect um, uh, no, we're a good team so we're if, a great team if, this is great yeah <laughs> if, uh, if you're there on the 16th please feel free at, at any point that it seems uh uh, like a, an appropriate, meaningful time, just to uh, yell out like a like a hype person, like July sixteenth. You know, just uh, <laughs> just punctuate like a like a get her done kind of. You know, like and that's with the end of that joke. July sixteenth. You know, <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. No, I'm I'm so excited for you. Uh, what I wanted to hit on as well, though, was that you know you're talking about all these peaks and different points and everything, but I'm sure you really hit one. Don't you have an Amazon special as well? Yes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? That's awesome. Sure. Uh, I appreciate it. Your, all of your questions are nice. So thank you uh, for these. I don't know if, uh, you know, the different kinds of journalism that I'm familiar with, I don't know if you consider yourself a journalist, but there's, you know, investigative journalists, there's gotcha journalists, there's gonzo, there's like hard hitting. And I feel like, you know, you're here like setting up some some nice softballs for me to just knock out of the out of the park and into the gaslight. Okay, the point is, uh, that one that one just doesn't even make any sense. But it had the sound of it, like if, you know, what do you, what do you want? Confident nonsense or non-confident sense? Uh, can it be neither? Okay, um, so I'll I'll back up a little from the question that you asked to say. So I started doing I started really pursuing comedy in two thousand two in Boston. Two thousand eight, I, I moved to New York, uh, and that was when I started really. Uh, being able to do comedy as my livelihood without doing other things, like starting to travel, uh, to perform headline at colleges, and uh, and starting then at some clubs. And I released my first album, which is called Vegan Mind Meld, in, I think I recorded 2009, and it came out in 2010. And then, and that's sort of like, your a first album is like sort of the sum total of, you know, I'd been doing it seven, seven, eight years at that point. And it was like, what's the, it's kind of, it's funny, you know, like sometimes for a band, they put out their best of, you know, 50 years later, 30 years later, like, wow, the best of their entire career. For a comedian, it's sort of, I feel like the first album is like a best of like the last decade. It's like, what are the best jokes that I did tell and do tell and can tell? And so then I released that. And then over the next several years, uh, my goal was to, you know, create another hour of best jokes. It took eight years the first time. Like, how long is it going to take the second time? Uh, and so I, I think I recorded my second album like three years after the first one. So like I, I got the time down a little bit. And at the, at the same time, when that first album came out, I got to do a half hour special on Comedy Central. And, uh, and I was very grateful to do that. And then my goal became to do, like at the time, 
it was sort of like, you know, pre Netflix specials, you know, pre, it was like, there were maybe HBO, you could have a comedy special, but that was like a very, a very special thing. It seemed like, uh, you know, Showtime, there were places where you could have specials, uh, but it seemed like it wasn't as common for like today. People are like some very, you know, established, hilarious, successful comedians are releasing their specials on YouTube, you know, or direct to like just all different platforms now, which is wonderful. I'm like, I'm glad that everybody has the capacity. At the time, it seemed like the path was like, I was like, Comedy Central, our special, after doing a Comedy Central half hour. So that was that was my desire. And I the second album that I made called Meet Robot was actually produced by Comedy Central Records. And so we, reco I, we recorded this album. And then they were, I was like, and so what if it was also an hour special? And they were like, mm, maybe, uh, maybe. And so they, they did not uh, produce it as an hour special, but a company that at the time was called New Wave and now is called Comedy Dynamic, uh, they listened to, you know, my manager at the time sent, uh, who is still my manager, my manager at all times. Uh, <laughs> his, his management goes all the way back to the Big Bang and all the way forward to the heat death of the universe. Um, love him. And uh, my, my management company helped, like, connect me with uh, this production company that they were like, we'll, we'll shoot, we'll produce uh this hour or an hour for you it actually turned out to be uh a separate hour that uh we called uh small dork and handsome and uh after we shot it it actually went to netflix first it was before netflix was producing their own comedy uh specials so they were purchasing you know from other ones that people had made and uh and so i was super at the time it was such a it's a, such a strange thing now because i know what i know now uh, having lived longer and experienced the passage of time and uh, learning things. I don't know. I don't know if that's something that you experienced, that as you live longer, you know some more things about your own experience and perhaps the world around you. I don't want to uh, put words in your mouth, but <laughs> I... Crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. learning. I... Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're not in school anymore, so you don't have to, but uh, you... Know. you if you do, if like it just, happens, yeah, it's I'm, I welcome it. Um, yeah, I, if learning happens, I'm okay. I'm okay with. It. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of it. I'm a big. I'm a learning head, if you will. I like uh, learning going in my head, and also the heart. I'm a learning heart, if you will. I'm a learning head at heart, I guess I would say, and a learning heart at head. So uh, that didn't come out exactly the way I meant, but. <laughs> Sometimes you got to say things and then be like, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Uh, how are you going to say you didn't mean to say something if you don't say something? So sometimes just say something, you know, and sometimes don't. Uh, so I've been thinking about going on silent retreats, but uh, I'm at the thinking stage. I'm thinking about, I'm, I've been talking about thinking about going on silent retreats. That's where I'm at. <laughs> but, uh, you know, people, people who come back to them, they will not shut up about them. So I don't know if it's working, but the point is, uh, I mean, maybe it is. They're like, oh boy, that's too much silence. Gotta, gotta right. get it back out. So there we are uh, around 2013, uh, 14 or so. We recorded that like new wave slash comedy dynamic, uh, helped shot the special. It was uh, a super fun thing to do. And then they, the goal was, my the, the initial hope was to sell it to Comedy Central and be like, will you buy this? And they did not, but they were like, we did sell it to Netflix, which at the time had, I think, barely, I mean, they, you know, they'd started streaming a little earlier, but they weren't the force at the time that they have become. 
where like now the idea of like a Netflix special is, you know, that could be like the gold standard, the desire right. to be like, you know, because if something's on comedy, Comedy Central, still wonderful, love yes. them and mm -hmm. uh, would be happy, uh, happy for anyone to be able to see my comedy anywhere, including there. Uh, but when, when a special's on Comedy Central, like it usually airs, you know, once or a couple times and it's not necessarily available at all times of day, like it is on a Netflix streaming platform. Like, you know, like my mom still watches TV shows that are like, you know, she DVRs them, but she's like, this show's on Tuesday. This show's on Thursday. Like, when is it on? I'm like, if it's on Netflix, like it is on always, all it is on at all times. So <laughs> It actually turned out that what could have been my second choice at the time was like, you know, uh, my dad listened to uh, Garth Brooks when I was growing up. And there's a specific song that I remember uh, called Unanswered Prayers, I think. It's uh, the, the chorus is like, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Uh, and it's one of the one of the things that it's about is that like in high school, he prayed for uh, a life with his high school girlfriend and he didn't get that be but then he did get to marry a person that uh, when he was an adult he met and was like oh yeah this is better my you know adult brain self knows a little more of what I so he's like thank god god didn't answer thank god god didn't answer that first prayer uh of being like that would be like you know the evil genie granting your wish and be like okay you want to be with your high school girlfriend that you're not as compatible with over the years because i fair enough okay well thank you Thank you, God. For so, I I also I am thankful that uh, everything happened the way that it did. That the special got to be on Netflix for three years, and uh, then I believe once they did start producing all of their own specials, uh, the the contract that we had with them ended, and so then uh, the company that uh, was in charge uh, sold it or the rights to it to Amazon. So now now it is on Amazon at all times, and I mean ultimately. Uh, I feel like Amazon is in all of us always. It is, you know, the it, it is this, you know, this looming, lurking, ever growing, like you know, uh, in a way that's probably destroying the literal Amazon. But you know, at the uh, it 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 is there. So I'm like, yeah, don't you know, shop small, shop at mom and pop shops. Feel free, feel free to. I mean. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, don't don't support Amazon in ways that uh, that you don't want to. That you know, try try to buy local, uh, artisanal. Try to get organic, free range. But uh, this comedy special is there as well. So. <laughs> Any platform, and especially if you want to support local, come see Mike Kaplan at the Gaslight Theater, July 16th at 8 o'clock, local theater. You've got some great talent coming in. Uh, but speaking of all platforms, you're leading me right into my next question. You wow. have a couple of podcasts. Why mm -hmm. don't we talk a little bit about those? Because we can find those on a lot of streaming platforms, as this podcast is also available as well. But why don't you talk a little bit about that and uh, what each one is about for people who are newly listening in and are maybe like, oh, he's got a couple of podcasts. What are they about? Where can I find them? It's true. Thank you for asking. Uh, so my first podcast that I want to talk about is called the Casually Molly Podcast. <laughs> I've taken over it, and uh, so I'm I'm your new Molly. Um, thank you. <laughs> Uh, that just just to be clear, everyone, I am a comedian, and that is a joke. I have not taken over this podcast. I'm only here today. I'd be happy to return, uh, but uh, this is Molly's podcast. Uh, so the two that I have that come out regularly 
Uh, one is called Broccoli and Ice Cream, and that I've been doing for several years. We just reached our 200th episode. I'm uh, real, uh, real excited to get to keep doing it. Uh, I, I basically have conversations with friends, often comedians. I know I have a lot of comedian friends on. I've also had on uh, a couple of politicians recently, uh, including one that may be the new mayor of New York uh, coming forward, the uh, Eric Adams, who just, I think, came out ahead in the Democratic primary. Uh, and uh, but so mostly, mostly artists, uh, you know, comedians, musicians, writers, some activists. Uh, and I talk to people about the, the work of their life and the joys of their life. And that is why I call it broccoli and ice cream, because to some people, eating broccoli is work and eating ice cream is joy. For other people, it might be reversed. And for some people, it might be intertwined. Perhaps you enjoy broccoli flavored ice cream or ice cream textured broccoli. Um, and so that's broccoli and ice cream. One episode comes out for free every week, and then one comes out on my Patreon. Uh, so, you know, much like a drug dealer, you get part of it, you get the uh, the setup for free, and uh, and you have to pay for the punchline. Um, I guess that's a comedian, uh, not a drug dealer. So, um, and then my other podcast is called The Faucet, and on that one I have zero guests, usually. It is just me uh, spouting off a spout, a faucet. And so it's sort of... I don't know if you can imagine, uh, it's sort of like this if you weren't here. If uh, if I ask myself questions and then answer them and just sort of, you know, do some do some word dancing and uh, it comes out, uh, I, I aim to have it come out at least once a week, sometimes more on the tour that I'm going on. I think my goal is to uh, try to do at least, you know, uh, an episode from either every city I go or about every show that happens because uh, there's going to be... Uh, some new new fun happening, and I want to share it with everyone. So yeah, Broccoli and Ice Cream and The Faucet are my two podcasts. Thank you for asking. Yeah, you're very welcome. I definitely want to dive into listening to them more. I've listened to a few episodes on each. I wanted to touch on, you know, we do interview comedians with multiple podcasts, just like how you were talking about. For the preparation, though, I'm always interested because obviously I do comedy, but I always have a guest on. So I always have somebody to talk to and relate to. Uh, what I'm wondering is, though, how is it the preparation may be different or is it the same preparing for a guest versus preparing to have just yourself entertaining? I guess, too, like with the pandemic, there's been a lot of people who have done comedy specials in their houses and things like that as well, or via stream. So maybe it's not a very foreign um, choice per se, but I just want to know, like, what goes through your head preparing for just yourself versus for preparing with a guest? Uh, sure. Another great question. Another banger uh, <laughs> from uh, casually Molly's Molly. This is um, journalism, casual journalism right here. <laughs> Go ahead. Ooh, another kind of journalism to add to my list. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, could get, I could get behind that. So the, the, the reason the, the faucet began is uh, it, during, during the initial months of the pandemic, uh, the lockdown, I, I did a number of shows uh, I was doing a bunch of online shows uh, that were, you know, sometimes called stand-up shows, but are not the, the exact same thing as doing stand-up live in a room with people. Though some organizations uh, did foster like an environment that was as close to that as possible, and one of those was the Nowhere Comedy Club, where I did a show. So I had the pandemic began uh, March of last year, 
and I had a new album scheduled to come out in May of last year. I had been planning to go uh, to do like uh, album release shows and to tour in support of that. I was gonna, you know, go to lots of different places around the country, and uh, and then that became a thing that was not possible. And so I had between March and May a lot of time to do a lot of podcasts, a lot of streaming, a lot of conversations, a lot of interviews, uh, a lot of talking like this, a lot of uh, you know. So I remember what is it? Uh, ooh, this is this is this is going to be great when I remember uh, the point here. Oh yes. Yeah. So the the show that I did, I did a show on May eighth of 2020, which uh, was the day of my girlfriend's birthday. And it was the day that the album came out. So the album, the album's birthday and my girlfriend's birthday, the album, uh, AKA born on the 8th of May. And uh, so I wanted, it, instead of being able to tour to support that, I did this, you know, an online album release show where I did like also an hour of comedy that was different than the album. And there was a lot of in the moment uh, you know, sort of what I would have called in the beginning of my career, talking until uh, people stopped laughing and then playing a song, but uh, without the songs. So, or there might have been some songs, but uh, after that that hour that was at the Nowhere Comedy Club, uh, where they they did such a good job of you know curating this environment uh, for for the audience to understand what was going on and for comedians to have a good time, you know, doing comedy from their home to an audience full of people that were as audible as possible, you know, sort of, uh, they like trained people to be like, if you're, you know, if there's sounds, turn off your, your sound. If there, you know, if a dog barks, if, a if something happens, but there, there was like a front row experience where they're like, if you're there, like you're, you're as close to a real life audience as possible. And so that show was just so uh, compared compared to like all the other Zoom comedy shows that I'd been doing, where like I really was grateful to do all of them. But some of them were like, "Is this a stand-up show? Is this a podcast? Is it a <laughs> right. strange art performance piece? You know, is it what? What is this?" Uh, this one was uh, also, I mean, all of those things. It was like stand-up. It was like performance art. It was like a podcast. And afterwards, my girlfriend, Rini, said to me, she's like, I feel like you could just do that. Like, you could just talk for an hour whenever you want, and that could be a new podcast. And uh, I believe she also coined, she's like, you're like a faucet, you know, <laughs> of ideas, of words, nice. of thoughts. And so that, I was like, that that is that that you're right you are right about me my beloved girlfriend Rini and so I I set up the podcast and I just started doing it on a regular basis uh during during the lockdown and now and all regular and irregular like I would do it every Saturday at a specific time that people could watch and then also different times throughout the week just whenever I felt like it and so now that uh now that I have a, a schedule forming and returning, uh, the the schedule of the lockdown is uh, is something that is sort of dropping away. And I'm like, you know, figuring out like, oh, when will I do this thing? But the so the to answer your question, which is how does the preparation prepare the uh, how does the preparation compare uh, between having a guest, not having a guest? Uh, whenever I was doing the go the, the sort of the the premise of the faucet is that I would just start talking and go for as long as I wanted, as long as the Zoom meeting would go. As you know, sometimes it would be forty minutes, sometimes it would be ten minutes, 
And sometimes like earlier in the day or right before I would like not sit down to plan what I was going to talk about, but a thing would occur to me and be like, oh, I'll talk about that thing. If a thing happened in the world, in my life, in social media, sometimes I'd be like, oh, since the last one, here's what's been going on. Here's what I did last night. Here's what I did earlier. Here's what happened yesterday. And then being open to in the moment, uh, like whatever experience arose, which is part of what I like to do in comedy as well. Like when I, you didn't ask this, but I'll bonus answer. Okay. When I when I do stand up, uh, like there are different, there's sort of a spectrum of experience that happens. Like the shows that I'll be doing on this tour are going to be specifically like a show that I have written and honed and prepared, and it's still sort of in the process of like figuring out exactly what goes where. And but I'm also always open to whatever might arise. Like if a new thought occurs to me, like oh, this could be a new component of this joke in the moment, that's one of my favorite things. And so sometimes when I'm performing, I have like a set list of ideas that I'm like, these are the ones that I want to get to. But if I never get to any of them because extra spontaneous fun happened, like that is a joy. So that is sort of the way that the faucet, the faucet even, I feel like I have even less uh, pressure, even like the stakes are even lower because I'm not promising a stand-up show. I'm not promising like necessarily jokes with punchlines the same way that, you know, before you and I began recording this, you know, you wanted me to uh, be assured that like, I'm not here to perform. I'm not here to, you know, like uh, put on a particular, you know, honed, crafted show. We're having a conversation like of right. what <laughs> arises in the moment. And there might be like, oh, you ask a question that I've answered before. And I'm like, oh, I might there might be components of that that's of stories that I've told of bits of the truth of my life that will be the same uh, from from conversation to conversation from interview to interview from podcast to podcast but the goal of the faucet is to actually discover new things or to share new things like to so there's almost kind of no way to prepare for that I'm realizing now because I, I sometimes will, like sometimes I would do episodes where like if I had an exchange, a fun exchange with like a fan online, like there was one particular one I'm remembering where I tweeted something about, I was like, oh, do people who love deep dish pizza know about lasagna? Uh, you know, and I know that they're <laughs> different, but I thought that that was a funny thing to say, but I had a, yeah. a guy wrote back, a guy wrote back and he was like uh, very passionately pro deep dish pizza and very <laughs> de definitively wanted me to be aware that they are different things and we had a, a communication back and forth that became like he became a friend he oh, became wow. yeah, okay it, it became this beautiful so there's a couple i think at least one or two faucet episodes uh about like it either has deep dish or lasagna or you know calzones or something in the title that indicates it might be like the deep dish saga or something and as such like so sometimes a thing happens that like i know that i'm gonna share because i'm like i just want to share this you know this beautiful moment that occurred in my life with people and then whatever else happens but sometimes it is just legitimately i start recording and i start talking like hello and here's what's going on in my brain right now compared to Broccoli and ice cream when I'm 
when I'm having a conversation where I, my goal is to not do all of the talking. My goal is to uh, encourage my guests to do more of the talking. Uh, I for, so the the I guess the two ways that I prepare. One is that I have specific questions that I like asking, especially of comedians, artists, but kind of of everyone. And one of the questions is just like. What was like the earliest art that you created? What were you doing as a child? And potentially, if that, how did that lead you to where you are now? And, and how do you do what you're doing now? And so there's sort of like a number of specific questions. And that would be for like the work aspect of things. And for the, for the joy aspect of things, I ask people, when you're not working, like what are the things that you do that bring uh, joy, peace, and calm in your life or help you make the way, help you make, help you, Feel the way that you want to feel when you are not working and also when you are working. And then those are sort of like the launch pads for where the conversation goes. Like, uh, so I don't have, I, I don't have like, you know, a list of questions that I must ask. Again, like with a, a comedy, a stand-up set list, like if I never get to my questions, like sometimes I find myself at the end of a conversation, you know, we, we've been talking 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, and I'm like, oh, Here's the question that I normally ask first, but the conversation, you know, organically grew into what it was based on who that person was. Like some people, uh, I feel like are the the vibe is it, it's more meaningful and valuable for me to ask a question and they answer it, and then I'll ask another question, and then. Uh, but if somebody, if I was like, let me ask you this, and they're like, let me tell you this first, I'm like, tell me as much as possible, and. In fact, I, I recently this year had both my mom and my dad on my podcast separately, oh, wow. and mm -hmm. and so, those conversations were some of the ones where I feel like I almost didn't have to do anything. I was just like, "What about right. this?" And then they talked for fifteen minutes. You know, "What about this?" And then another fifteen minutes. I'm like, oh, I guess the show is over. Like that's <laughs> you know that is where I come from, and so that is you know how I am and and how I do. So you know, like born of these two faucets. And, <laughs> and so that is, so that's the first way, yeah, that I would say I prepare is to just have some specific questions that I, that have always like, you know, led to, led everyone down a different path of like, depending on what their answers are, depending on, you know, if it's dance, then the next question is different. If it's, you know, drawing, the next question is different. And it sort of becomes like a choose your own adventure where I don't even have, you know, any of the uh, pages written yet uh, because the other person is going to be mostly uh, the source of the book. And the second way that I would say I prepare is like, if it's a, if it's a friend, if it's somebody that I've known a long time, uh, then I probably don't do much preparation at all. I'm just like, we yeah. know each other. You're a comedian. You're my friend. Let's talk. If it's somebody that I've never met, uh, or if it's somebody that I don't know as well, then I'll certainly, you know, uh, as, as you might, I imagine, you know, go to their website, uh, look them up on Wikipedia. Yeah. Like, <laughs> see what projects they they you know manifest in their life knowing also it's funny that some of the things on wikipedia for me are maybe true but outdated you know things right. that were the big the the thing to look at 10 years ago 8 years ago 15 whatever it is and and so i always want to ask people like from in their own experience you know like not just like who are you what are you? What do you do? But like, if somebody is, you know, I'm like, I know that you're a writer. I know that you're an actor. I know that you're a comedian. Like, what, what else? You know, I don't want to 
I don't want to pigeonhole you. I don't want to, you know, just put you in this category box. Like, so really, uh, I guess the, the answer is kind of like, uh, I, I don't do extensive preparation, but I'm just like ready to be present with, you know, whatever the person uh, is offering and then have, have some questions and ideas prepared for, to, to coax someone into offering things if they are not, uh, you know, just as immediately forthcoming as, uh, as I or many others might be. Exactly. See, and I can relate to that because for Casually Molly, it's just like how you were talking about journalism earlier, how it's just like, you know, here's a question and this and that. And I, I always try to get points and things together. But what people always forget when you're doing stuff like this, and I, I say that as a generalization to make a point, um, not to say that anybody listening or Mike Kaplan here producing a podcast uh, forget this, but there is the human element. And there is, you know, the organic conversation, things pop up. There's things I don't even think of. And then you highlight this and you're like, oh, here's a point. And I'm like, oh, I did read that on the website and I forgot about that. And it makes the part of the story and the question more interesting than maybe I could have even imagined. Um, so thank you for sharing that. That was a really beautiful breakdown of how preparation works into it. Uh, just because I know a lot of people, I get messages a lot of time like, well, what do you do to like put a podcast together and stuff? So uh, Mike Kaplan, follow him <laughs> at Mike Kaplan for any other podcasting advice. Uh, but speaking of the human element, I do like to add the, ask this and then we'll go back to your show and end this out. Sometimes, you know, you know, you have a great career, you have a great resume, but sometimes things do go wrong, maybe at a show, maybe tech, something happens. Was there an experience in your comedy, unless, you know, every show you do is just perfect and you have no issues and no problem. It could even be for the podcast um, where something went wrong, but you made it through and you, you casually came on top. <laughs> uh, thank you for asking. And it's funny that you say, like, has every show been perfect? Well, the name of the show that I'm touring right now is called Imperfect. And it, I mean, <laughs> it is in ways, I'm, I'm working on perfecting it. But uh, also, uh, of course, the answer is that there are times that uh, things have gone ways that in the moment, I might have wished them uh, to go differently. Though, after the moment, looking back, I mean, some of those moments that didn't go well may have turned into like the funniest jokes or the best stories or, you know, uh, you know, meaningful memories or even just like, you know, a couple nights ago, I was uh, sad about something, anxious about something. And right now, I don't even remember which thing it what it was, because right. it's it's not what I'm sitting with now. And I mean, I'm doing my best to to be present and it's it's certainly a lot easier to be present when I'm being present with joy and it is like a joy to be present but sometimes like last night I was walking home from a couple shows that I had uh, in my neighborhood and it was really it was hot and I was wearing you know long pants that I was like feeling sweaty and I was like tired and I hadn't eaten uh, recently and I remember getting home and just saying to my girlfriend like I'm I'm sweaty and hungry and I don't know what to do and uh and she's like eat something I was like right. yeah that's but I was like I was like should I shower first should I eat you know whatever the and so now I, I remember having here's another another element to this story 
my good friend, Zach Sherwin, uh, my best friend. Uh, he is a fantastic comedian and more. Uh, I recommend everyone checking out uh, The Crossword Show, his magnum opus of his life. Uh, it, it's uh, a beautiful thing. Zach and I talk most days. And uh, the other day I was, I was talking to him about something that was causing me some anxiety, which I can say to you now because I'm not in the midst of that anxiety at the time. But, and he was like, he was basically like, Mike, it is totally, uh, it's, of course it's fine to be anxious about this thing. And we kind of now have this joke where I'm like, at the moment I was at that time, I was like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm anxious about it. He's like, oh no, you would never say that you're anxious about it. So he's like, cause you're not like, the idea, I feel like, I don't know if this is, I know it's not unique to me, but certainly due to my, you know, my upbringing, my nature, nurture combination, my culture, my family, my existence, like part of the reason that the show is called Imperfect is that I am constantly learning ways that I am not perfect and that I can improve, you know, as a human being, as a partner in relationships, uh, as a citizen, and that like, it really feels like, you know, like I was good in school and sometimes learning that you didn't do something right or that you, you know, said something hurtful or didn't realize that you were having an impact on other people in a specific way. Sometimes it's like, oh no, like I, I failed. I did the wrong thing. It was bad. You know, like that, that's, that's not what I meant. And like, it's almost, I, I listen to a lot of, uh, meditation, uh, like, teachers Me and too. you know yeah <laughs> and and one of the things i listened to recently i think it was in this joseph goldstein talk like that the moment that you realize that and if it wasn't him he's wonderful and also whoever said this is wonderful but i think it was him the idea is that if you realize you've gotten distracted if you realize that you've you know lost your way for a moment like it, we, it can be, we can beat ourselves up over it, or we can be grateful that when we realize that we got distracted, that means that in that moment, we are at least present for, for the moment of, for that realizing, for that noticing, being like, oh, I did get distracted. Now I'm focusing on my breath again. And so every, you know, ideally, you know, any time that we, let's say, you know, the anxiety that I felt the other day, I'm like, I'm like, oh, now, now I'm like grateful for it and to it. And even in that moment where my friend was saying like, you know, it's okay if you're anxious. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely, I know that it's okay to be anxious, but I'm not anxious. And I'll <laughs> definitely tomorrow admit that yesterday, right now I was anxious, but right now I'm just not in a place where I can do that. And so the, so all of the, like what people ask sometimes, you know, like, what are your, worst show experiences or is there like a, a horrible heckle that you got because and sometimes those stories are about like you know redemption and catharsis and mm -hmm. triumph like i mean because truly the worst. this is something that i haven't even really thought of specifically uh but i i'm gonna say and i feel like i'm gonna say this to other people at other times also but like when people ask for like what's a heckle story, you know, like, is he ever have like a real bad heckle? Like, really, they want like a good story, you know, they want one with a happy ending, when right. like, the, the classic ones are just like, yeah, somebody was drunk and was like, I don't like you. 
and then they got thrown out and then yeah. I did the rest of the show right. and I felt a little bad and uh but it's but that person's gone now and I hope they get to see shows that they want to in the future right. and that they if they have a drinking problem that they address it and uh but the story you know like and I do have like you know, wonderful. Like I have a story of opening for Casey and the Sunshine Band and uh, the audience yeah. was not there to see me. And so they were not listening. They were talking. They It was like maybe a thousand to 2000 people in the round. I'm on a rotating stage uh, outdoors under a tent uh, in Cape Cod. And I'm oh, wow. like... I, you know, as I'm rotating, I'm starting a joke to one person uh, who's not listening. And then I turn uh, and I'm like fi finishing the joke to another. And there's like a little girl giving me a thumbs down. And I'm like, at least that's not yelling, you know. <laughs> and so this is all super funny to me now. And at the time, it was a great challenge. And so, I mean, there's been so many with my podcast. Like one time I remember having a beautiful conversation with, uh, I believe it was the, uh, I think it was Matt Diffie, who's a New Yorker cartoonist, a great artist, uh, a funny guy. And I, uh, I remember we had a conversation, I think in his hotel room and it was such a beautiful conversation. And then afterwards I realized it didn't record or it didn't. <gasps> That's uh, the worst feeling. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, we just had a meaningful connection in the moment that no one can hear, you know, right. we, Oh, all, all that happened was two humans connected. Oh no, you know? And I remember, like, I don't remember everything that we said. And I think I did have him on the podcast again, eventually. And, uh, you know, and we, I don't know if we, I don't think we tried to like recreate. And then you said this, and then this, and this, like, let's try to capture that magic after the moment. But uh, like those things do happen. And like, be, until you asked this, like, I, I wasn't thinking about that podcast conversation that was lost. Like, when it's happening, it feels like the biggest thing. I mean, because when it's happening, it's the only thing. And also, uh, it's valuable for me to remember that everything comes and everything goes. Uh, everything, a thing that I, did, I didn't make that up. Uh, <laughs> but just, uh, yeah, a Mike Kaplan original, uh, <laughs> things change. I think there is, I forget the exact Zen master or Buddhist uh, teacher that said this, but I just heard, I think again, Joseph Goldstein share about this. It was maybe Suzuki Roshi, maybe uh, Shunryu Suzuki. I forget. I think Suzuki was involved in this guy's name, but the somebody asked him to, uh, somebody asked a Buddhist, uh, a great Buddhist teacher, like, can you sum up, like, the Buddha said like 84,000 things. Can you like sort of sum it up in like one? Can you encapsulate it? And he was like, things change. Next question. And like, so things, it's such a, you know, a valuable thing to remember. That's hard to remember because while things are happening, like while a show isn't going well, or while a podcast didn't record, or while an anxiety is the thing that's present, or while there is hunger or sweatiness or tiredness or thirst or crankiness or anger or whatever those things are, like, it, those are the things that are, that's what's happening. So it feels like the only, it feels like the only thing that will ever be, but it's also, it's always valuable for me to remember uh, that it, you know, every, every thought I've ever had has gone away. Every emotion that I've ever experienced, except for what I'm experiencing right now, like has passed. And uh, so I don't know if this answers your question exactly, but yeah, sometimes shows don't go well. Yeah. 
No, I, that is actually one of my favorite responses. And I don't ask it all the time, but I, I really appreciate you saying that just because in the moment, right? Like it, you're like, oh no, like this happened. But then sometimes like there was one time it happened here too, where I had a great conversation with somebody who I eventually had back on the podcast. And the second time was almost even better than the first time we did it. So I was kind of like, okay. I was like, I don't really know like what fate is. And I, I listen to a lot of meditation podcasts and stuff too. So I'm like listening to like the Buddhist interpret. I don't, I don't even know how to interpret it, but I'm like, maybe this was meant to happen where I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe that was trash. It was a good, we got to connect, but now this is something that should be shared. So I understand like things happen. And I think, you know, just sometimes you have to be like, all right, like, you know, you can't be like, oh, you know, swing one way or the other here. You just have to be like, what am I going to get through? How am I going to get through this right here, right now? Which you've done great on this podcast, by the way. Taking all my punching, all my questions, <laughs> all these like nitty gritty, I mean, U.S. weekly tabloids. I mean, they're going to come right at us here. Uh, but speaking of taking all the punches, I really appreciate your time. We asked the last question I always ask, um, which almost sounds a little bit like a cliche, but I find out a lot of interesting things from guests by asking this question. Uh, you've given a lot of great input about comedy and your resume and everything, and that's wonderful. Uh, just to kind of close everything out, what is some casual advice that you would give uh, maybe to yourself long ago that you know now? We've talked about learning. We're great fans of it. <laughs> it's gonna, you know, head and heart, but uh, what is something that you feel like people would walk away with that you felt was maybe important, maybe that you've learned over time? Sure. That's, uh, there's so many things like there's, I, I also feel like, I mean, the thing that you said about the idea of like the way things went, you know, sort of being meant to be like, I don't, I believe in fate only looking backwards necessarily. Like, if that makes sense, that uh, everything that did happen, like happened the way that it did. And in this incarnation, in this dimension, in this reality, in this universe, that's, that's the only way that it could have happened because there's this logical path of everything that every, everything does happen for a reason, it's not that doesn't necessarily help when like, well, why did this bad thing happen? Why did this right. painful thing happen? Why did mm -hmm. well for a reason? You know, probably because you know why did this suffering happen? Well, probably because of that suffering. You know, why did this person hurt that person? Well, because that person was hurt by that person. Or why you know ultimately going all the way back, you know, in in a Buddhist paradigm to beginningless time. Uh, and I, the good news, the good news about, uh, in the Buddhist paradigm is that like there is, there is the four noble truths are there is suffering. Uh, there is the root, the cause of suffering. Uh, then there is, and if those are the only two that, you know, then that, like, don't leave that class early. Like I did once like, oh, well <laughs> suffering and the cause of suffering. Got to go to a show anyway. Uh, time to do comedy. Um, the third, the third one is uh, the cessation of suffering, and then the fourth, I believe, is the path to the cessation of suffering, uh, and that that is so that 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 makes sense to me. That resonates. That that is a possibility. Like like I haven't I haven't yet experienced in this lifetime, or I think I think if I'd experienced it in other lifetimes, then it would uh, I would reap the benefits in this one as well. But so I haven't yet experienced the cessation of suffering. But the concept that 
that there is suffering and that there is a potential path to its cessation, which is like sort of like, you know, my Buddhism understanding in a nutshell is like the goal is to increase happiness and decrease suffering for all beings. Uh, and I like this is a, a nice definition of love and compassion that I learned recently that uh, the Buddhist definition of love, I believe, is when you love someone, you wish for them to increase happiness. And com- the definition of compassion is when you love when you are compassionate, you wish for someone's suffering to decrease. So suffering decrease, happiness increase. Uh, and I guess one other quote that I like that sort of ties in with this that if I heard it earlier, who knows if my life would be different, but I couldn't have because I didn't. But uh, from The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. Yes, is, uh, I have that book. Okay, sorry, oh, continue. Oh, yeah. Not to get so excited about this. Oh, no, yes. <laughs> I, I, I recommend everyone either have it or read it. Yes. Uh, l- learn it, in, uh, take it in. Uh, the, the, the line from it that, I, that sticks with me the most is, uh, the deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain and that doesn't mean go out looking for sorrow like there's there'll, there'll be plenty and it doesn't mean that every sorrow necessarily like results in you know some commensurate amount of joy but that you know i mean this is sort of a theme of what we've been talking about that if something like think about any you know if you've experienced joy in your life then joy is possible if you've experienced suffering in your life that ha- is no longer present if there's any suffering that ever existed that isn't there anymore uh then that's possible that you know i mean all these things are impermanent in ways and yeah i guess i guess i yeah i would have i guess my my advice to myself would have been to uh like hey uh start learning about buddhism whenever you want to um but like those are those are sort of like the the big the big truths like the the headlines uh, and it's important to read the articles as well and uh, not just know the slogans but also do the practice of you know of self compassion and compassion for others of you know I feel like it's there's a joke on uh, the album AKA that I put out last year where I talk about an epiphany that I had of uh essentially to be nice and uh and a friend asked me he's like that's your epiphany like we, we know that you know that that's that's and i don't want to spoil everything for you check out check out aka come to the gaslight gaslight <laughs> july 16th and july also, 16th yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's the hype person i'm talking about and uh, and also my album aka is my most recent album and I'm the happiest with it and proudest of it of, of, I mean, I love all my albums are my children and this one is the oldest and wisest of them. Uh, yes. It's actually the newest and freshest, but I was the, the most experienced comedian and me when I created it uh, in the past couple of years. And, uh, but the point is that uh, we, even the things that we know, the things that we know are true and kind and good for us and good for the world. They're not always, the easiest to remember. They're not always the easiest to implement, to apply, to practice. And so uh, that is uh, that is the thing that I guess I would offer to myself and anyone who wants is to, you know, do do our best to remember to breathe, to 
be to not beat ourselves up, to be, you know, to be kind. If there are things that we wish we didn't do or that didn't happen, like what can we do better in the future? How can we use regret as fuel for, you know, positive change moving forward? You know, how can we, you know, make amends and atone and and forgive our ourselves or others? You know, how can we, you know, how can we do our best to be you know, like loving uh, to to all? And uh, yeah, so I guess. They're things that, you know, you hear them all the time. You, you know, you can see them on Instagram all the time. You can see them on bumper stickers. You can like, mm -hmm. but sometimes, you know, just seeing it, just knowing the words, like I would, a lesson that I did learn that this is, I would like reemphasize. Okay. When I was in maybe junior, senior year of high school, I took a class, uh, AP history, and I was, I'd always done well in school, but history was like my least favorite and my like worst subject and my first assignment in that class uh i like wrote a you know i wrote all the information i was like everything that i'd memorized that was what history used to be like just memorizing facts dates information you know happenings but there was no analysis no concepts and so i got like a d on the on the assignment and the teacher was like this is full of facts but no concepts and i feel like that's the idea similarly of like yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know the thing. Be kind to myself, of course. Oh, I'm so stupid. <laughs> of course, I forgot to be kind to myself. Oh God. And like, yeah, oh yeah. And so, if you're, you know, yelling at yourself and beating yourself up about not beating yourself up, I mean, it's hopefully can be funny, and it's not necessarily like easy to get out of this. I mean, it's, this is one of the, it's the, it's the work. It's the hard thing. But like. Yeah to know so i would i would hopefully let myself know like concepts and you know applications not just you know not just headlines like you know yeah. uh read the article like immerse <laughs> yourself in the material do the work oh and and start meditating sooner like you'll i was like young me you'll let, you'll get things out of meditating mm -hmm. uh stop watching garbage tv uh <laughs> like just like eliminate one tv show and meditate just like yeah. you you don't you can't take in everything so what is it what is it that you want to spend your time doing uh and i hope the answer is you know uh, being kind to yourself and creating art and, uh, you know, keep making music. And I guess you asked for one. I gave, I gave a lot. Yes. We got all the points though, which is what I really appreciate. <laughs> Absolutely. That was great. I, 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 again, I love meditation. I feel like I used to kind of look down on it to be honest, like, how am I going to sit still and do it's changed my whole life. So I agree with that advice. Sounds good to me. Well, Mike, this has been wonderful. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, I feel like I've learned so much about you and I hope our listeners feel the same way. Uh, if you would like to connect and learn more about Mike Kaplan and you are in the St. Louis area or you wanna make a road trip, check him out this Friday, July 16th, 8 p.m. It is going to be at the Gaslight Theater, staple to St. Louis. We got Yale Hollander, who's been a friend and guest of the podcast. He's going to be hosting. Emily Hickner, who's a local favorite here. She will be featuring, and of course, your headliner, Mike Kaplan. He's going to be doing all the all the stuff, <laughs> a.k.a. comedian Mike Kaplan. Anyway, so we always say, uh, what are you going to casually do now now that the podcast is over? Oh, I guess I'm going to casually uh, use the restroom because I've been casually drinking <laughs> lots of fluids for the entirety of this. Uh, but yeah, that's, so I, I hope that, does that work? 
Yeah. Cheers. We're going to the restroom. We've got the fluids and the water. July 16th, 8 p.m. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thank you very much. Have a Thank good night. You. <laughs>